hear what the Spirit is saying to your church from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. When Jesus, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Solomon bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will away the stone for us and enter to the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene, of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been laid. He is not here. Look, there is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of them to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So he, so they went out and fled from the tomb, for terrified and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sean. And you look sharp today, my friend. My friends, let's join together in prayer. Living God, today we proclaim that you have risen. And we ask that this renewed hope, this new life that we so desire and our world so needs, may spark within us this morning. God, there's so many places in our lives that feel too heavy, too big for us to move. And so today we show up to the tomb and ask that you would roll that stone, crack open the door of light into our life, our communities, and our world. God, we need you. This world needs you. Be here with us in life, in hope, in joy, in resurrection. In your name we pray, amen. Well, friends, as we gather together on this day, we have traveled a long road as a human people through this last year and a half. We have been through much loss. We have missed the hugs and the touch so many parts of our lives have been utterly disrupted. And for some of us, maybe we're getting a taste of a renewal, of a resurrection, of a beginning again. And so as we move into another season, as we move into the next season of our life as individuals and as a community, I wonder just how specific, how specific this story and playing witness to this story may show up for us today. 
as we follow these brave women as they walk towards the tomb to encounter a risen God? Where in our life are we longing to encounter something new, risen? A new set of joy, a new identity, a new life that God has set for us. For a lot of us, that may not be where we are today. We don't feel like faking it on or putting our Easter hats together. And so we just show up to the story. We show up to where God has us and ask, God, meet me here and now. As we read the story, we hear early in the morning, the women woke up and showed up. The Easter story begins with a waking up of our senses. We rise to this day, they rose to this day with, with the smell of fresh spices and anointing oil. They felt and we feel the rising of the sun just tenderly touching our skin. And like the women that came early to the tomb, my friends, I think we are being called right here, right now, to awaken to our own senses of the world around us. It is these beloved and courageous women that were awake to this world and showed up to it, who were able to play witness to the new life when the world felt like death. The story asks us what part of us has been frozen or gone numb. Studies have shown that in trauma and tragedy, many parts of our body, our brain, they go to sleep. They begin to numb. This is a survival instinct that we have. And that's what we should be thankful for, that we have survived. Our body and soul has continued to walk through a difficult time. But as we follow these women to the tomb on this day, we can look at our survival skills and say thank you and say this resurrection morning, I'm going to follow these women and wake up my senses. I am going to let the spices of this world, the sunshine and the life of this world, wake me up as I show up. To wake up, to move our body to a new day that is dawning and renewing a life that is waiting for us. Some of my personal greatest joys this year as a community has been in these awakened senses. When we gathered together outside, yesterday we, we danced and we sang, or at least, at least we tried, you know, as good as an all-souls community can try to dance and sing. I, I was proud of you all. We danced and, and we sung and we moved and I could tell in my body there was parts that were just frozen. We listened as the horses ran in the open field and the bumblebees flew through the trees and our senses began to rise up. On Tuesday mornings throughout this year, a small group of us have been, have been joining together at 7 a.m. for contemplative hikes. We have walked through snow and wind and beautiful sunrises, and every time I walk with these brothers and sisters, I remember that my senses needed to be awoken in a time of numbness. We have sat around fire pits with good friends with more questions than answers. We have deeply tried to understand the watershed and the movement of, of water through our land and how does that speak to our soul. We have, shared we have shared meals under moonrises 
and we have taken time and we need to lean into this divine women, wisdom of these women to lean into the sensory awakening of our life, to find and move into the new life of resurrection. So today you may literally want to practice the scripture, literally practice resurrection. Get outside if you can. Smell the anointing of this world all around us. Remember the new life that you have as you breathe into your lungs and give space for the very presence of God to rise up. The other day, my family and I were sitting around eating just a pizza dinner, and we were kind of having a conversation when my daughter screamed out of nowhere, everyone stop, there's a turtle. And she pointed out into the creek, and we saw a little turtle just coming out of the mud. She is so alive. Her senses are awakened. And I envy her and the children of this world who just, who are awake. How can we live into that awakeness in our life here and now and today? The women showed up with the wholeness of their body, with the whole, to the wholeness of the story. They did not avoid any part of the story. They showed up to life of Christ. They showed up to the death of Christ. They showed up to the resurrection of Christ. How can we show up to all that God is doing within and around us, both the tears and the joy, the spices and the sunshine? Can we wake up to the one precious life that we have? The story continues as we follow in their footsteps. It says they went to the tomb and had, they had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us at the entrance of this tomb? As the women continued their journey, they remembered the large and unmovable stone that stands between them and their love, between them and a place of life. They ask us this question on this morning. What stone, what heavy barrier is between us and the life that God is calling us to live out fully? What heavy barrier, what stone has held us back, is holding those who are marginalized in our world back? What heavy stone is cast around the neck of the oppressed that we need to ask and be part of God moving in this world? One of the lies we can come to believe is that we can move every stone as an individual. If I'm smart enough, if I work hard enough, if I just try enough, I can move every stone that's in the barrier between who I am and who I am supposed to be and called and created to be. But the scripture passage is clear. These women looked at each other and they wondered, who's going to move that stone? Because I don't know if we can do it on our own. It wasn't because of their strength. It was because that stone was more than just heavy. That stone was a representation of their grief, of their loss, of everything that held them from that which they loved. Not too long ago, I shared with a dear friend of mine just kind of the heaviness of the season in this world, and she sent me a Voxer message that, honestly, I put on repeat multiple times throughout the day. Just saying, can we carry some of this together? Will, can you realize where you, where you begin and where you end 
and where you need community and the grace of God to take over. On this, on this message, she reads a quote from the brilliant Kate Bowler, who says, what would it mean for Christians to give up a little piece of the American dream that says you are limitless? Everything, my friends, is not possible. The mighty kingdom of God is not yet here. What if the rich did not have what if rich did not have to mean wealthy and whole did not have to mean healed? What if being the people of gospel meant that we are simply people with good news, that God is here, we are loved, it is enough. Friends, everything is not possible for you to do on your own. But can you carry the good news that God is here? We are loved and it is enough. I've shared with some of you in our community um, some of my long journey through, um, some of my long and slow journey through some of my AA work. And, and I, don't, I may be one of the worst people in those rooms, not like slow at this process, because there's these steps we walk through and I've been doing it for about a year and a half and I'm still at step one. I mean, I'm really crushing it, y'all. And step one, it simply says this, we admit that we are powerless. We admit that we are powerless. As they went to the tomb, they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Can we admit there are stones too heavy for us to move on our own? Can we admit that there is grief and pain and hardship? There is trauma. There are limits to who we are as a single human and that we in many ways are powerless to the stones that need to be moved so that life can break forth in this world. The beauty of a second step is it says, then we came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore. And I'll tell you what, sometimes that power is looking to a divine God who is here with us and loves us and knows us. Sometimes that divine power, from, that power that is greater than myself is looking at the face of my community and saying, I need help. We need to help one another. I don't know what that power that is greater than yourself, but you need to quit trying to move the stones of your life alone. You are not alone the Easter passage tells us. Easter morning is a humble reminder that God is bigger than we are, more alive, more loving, more powerful, more good than we could ever imagine. Allow the resurrected God to crack open the tomb of your life and our world so that some light may shine in the places of death. We cannot do it alone. But God says, I am with you. The angels of God said, let's move this stone. The community of God says, let's do this together for the sake of others. The story ends, and ends with this. They went and fled from the tomb in terror and amazement that had seized them. What a great way to end the Easter story. Like, go, my friends, in peace. Go with terror and amazement into this life set before you. 
What do we learn about the resurrection from these women? We learn that resurrection at its core is a holy disturbance. Resurrection is not something that is first and foremost that brings comfort. It brings disturbance. Terror and amazement had seized them. Resurrection is a holy disturbance and a defiance of our status quo. When we expect death to come, resurrection says, no, here is life. You weren't expecting that, were you? And so the question is, does the, does, does the resurrection disturb, disturb your life? Does it disturb the reality of the world around you? Does it disturb your marriage? Does it disturb how you parent your kids? Does it disturb who you call your friends? Does it disturb the way you look at money and power? Does it disturb your daily to-do list? Because love and resurrection must disturb the systems that we have set up and we live within. How is resurrection lived out? How is hope lived out disturbing your life? If the status quo holds as the only reality in our life, we are rejecting the power and the grand love of resurrection. For resurrection comes with terror and amazement. If you want to live in love and hope, that is more grand than you could ever imagine, you will feel afraid, like you were on the very edge of yourself. There will be risk and wonder involved. Because resurrection, my friends, stands in the face of comfort. It stands in the force of violence and death and oppression, and it says no. Hope and love will conquer in the end. Resurrection is a holy disruption of love. And so when we pray the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven, this sentence arises from the disruption of resurrection. Friends, be careful. Be careful if you claim to believe in the hope of resurrection this morning. Don't say those words lightly because resurrection is a holy disruption of love embodied in our flesh, in our reality, in our relationships, and it will change the way in which we live now and forevermore. For we worship a living Christ, not one who is dead. As Juan Carlos Ortiz once said, the living Christ is a problem to our institutions and especially our religious institutions. Yes, because if you're having a funeral, a nice funeral, and the dead person starts to move, there goes the funeral. And dear brothers and sisters and siblings, my friends, this morning, Jesus is moving. I see the movement in our own beloved community. Longing to build this community. This is a community of disruption, or at least trying to be. Kind of like our dancing, we're trying it out, you know? This is a community of disruption when it donates over 2,000 pounds of food to Sister Carmen when we were only hoping to get to 1,000 pounds. 
This is a community of disruption when it knocks on the door of its brothers after, at, who live close to King Supers and just come to say, are you okay? I couldn't get a hold of you. You are practicing holy disruption. When you provided meals and you, when you received meals from each other in a time of need, that tender exchange, the vulnerability of giving and receiving was and is a holy disruption. Showing up for each other every Sunday morning here, showing up with your beautiful face on this like awful platform, but refusing to go away is a holy disruption saying, Hate will not hold us down. We will show up for one another and love one another. When about 20 minutes ago, we said, hey, we're trying to raise $2,000 for vaccines for people in need and marginalized in our city who we don't even know. And right now we're sitting at over $4,000. My friends, that is resurrection. That is a holy disruption to the ways this world wants to be. The status quo will not live on, but we will practice a holy disruption if we can practice it together. So how can all souls continue to be? How can you as an individual continue to be a holy and a loving disruption in our world? May we together as one body wake up May we show up and smell the senses and the spices. May we feel the sun on our skin and realize the gift that we call life, that we have been given by this God who is with us. And when we encounter the stones that are too heavy for us to move, may we call one another. May we call out to our God and say, I need you. I need you to be here with me in the midst of this. And may we, beloved children of a living God, deeply disrupt the status quo with the hope and the resurrection that is for now and forevermore. Amen, amen, and amen. Let us pray together. My friends, receive this Easter blessing from our friend John O'Donohue. On this Easter morning, let us look again at the lives we have been so generously given. Let us fall, let us let fall away the useless baggage that we carry, old pains, old habits, old ways of seeing and feeling, and let us have the courage to begin again. For life is very short, and we are no Sooner here, then it is time to depart again. And we should use it to the full, the time we still have. We don't realize all the good we can do. The kind, encouraging word and helping hand that can bring many people through dark valleys in their lives. We weren't put here to make money or to acquire status or reputation. We were sent here to search for the light of Easter in our hearts. And when we find it, we are meant to give that light away generously. The dawn is rising this Easter morning in our hearts, and we are meant to celebrate it 
and to carry from this holy, ancient place the gift of healing and light and courage to all our new beginnings. Amen. Amen. Friends, uh, hear this affirmation of faith today. We know the fear of the upper room. We know the feeling of hard days and long nights. We know the grief of the tomb and the particular ache of saying goodbye. We know the pain of Good Friday and we know the darkness before dawn. And still, and still, we believe. We believe that again and again, the sun will rise. Again and again, God will draw near. Again and again, we will march toward justice. Again and again, the tomb will be empty. Again and again, love will win. Again and again, God will lead the church. Again and again and again and again, we will be loved. The journey will not be perfect. We will need to rise before dawn. We will need angels along the way. But again and again, the sun will rise. We believe. Amen. Good morning, church.